Welcome back, everyone, to Talk to Talk with your girl, Anita Love, to hate, to hate God is good. He continues to bless me. My family is blessed. And while another day above ground is always a blessing and for your ear and for your support, I thank you. I appreciate you. And I ask that you continue to support and continue to share. Come over, hit that anchor.fm listener support on Talk to Talk with your girl, Anita Love, to hate, to hate. And continue to support. You can go over to Google Play, Spreaker, Breaker, iTunes, rate me a five. Mm-hmm. You can also email me at Anita Love to Hate to Hate at gmail.com. Again, that's Anita Love to Hate to Hate at gmail.com. Any topics you want to hear, any topics you don't like, any comments, any suggestions, I welcome it. I want it. I thank you. I wanted to talk about Jerry Mandarin. Um, Jerry Mander G-E-R-R-Y M-A-N-D-E-R And I'm pretty sure a lot of people may not even know or understand what exactly that is. I'm going to be very brief with it. I'm not going to go on to a long tirade about it. But Jerry Mander is it's um, when you manipulate the boundaries of an electoral um, constituency as so as to favor one party or class. It also means to achieve a result by manipulating the boundaries of an electoral um, constituency. A total freedom to gerrymander the results that they want. Yes. Gerrymander is a practice intended to establish a political advantage for a particular party or group by manipulating district boundaries. The resulting district is known as a gerrymander. However, that word is also a verb for the process. The term gerrymandering has negative connotations behind it. Um, in most United States, this process is controlled by the majority party in the state legislature. Uh, partisan, partisan gerrymandering occurs when the map that people draw process is intentionally used to benefit a particular political party to help that party win more seats or more easily protect the ones it has um you can also go online and you can google what is a gerrymander and they're there they also have maps to explain to you how it's done like they draw a political boundary map and the drawing the political boundary map is for to give your parties a numeric advantage over an opposing party. It, it is a difficult process to try to explain, so I'm going to try to do the best I can. Um, um, if you find what I'm saying confusing, you can go to WashingtonPost.com and it'll probably give you a better understanding. You could probably read the content better and understand it. Um, suppose we have very tiny state of 50 people, 30 of them belong to the blue party and 20 belongs to the red party. Right. And just our look, they all live in a nice, even grid with the blues on one side of the state and the reds on the other side of the state. Now, let's say we need to divide them states into two districts. Each district will send one representative to the house to represent the people. Now, the ideal is we want the representation to be proportional. So if 60% of our residents are blue 
and 40% are red. Those five seats should be divvied up the same way. Fortunately, because our citizens live in a neatly ordered grid, it's easy to draw five lengthy districts, two for the red and three for the blues. Um, there you go. Perfectly proportional representation, just as the founders intended. That's grid one, perfect res- representation. Now, let's say instead the blue party controls the state government and they get to decide how the lines that grid are drawn. Rather than draw the district vertically, they draw them horizontally so that in each district there are six blues and four reds. You can see that what I'm where I'm getting at in the grid, compact but unfair, right? With a comfortable blue majority in the state, each district elects a blue candidate to the house. The blue win five seats and the reds don't get a single one. Oh well, all's fair in love and war called politics well in the real world the results of this scenario are similar to what happened in new york though there are no good example of where a majority party gives itself a clean sweep but if you go back to 2012 the democrats received 66 percent of the popular house vote but they won 21 out of 27 house seats or three more than you've expected from the popular vote alone and from a purely uh geometric standpoint new york's congressional district aren't terribly irregular at least not compared to other states finally now what if the red party controls the state government now the red knows they're at a numeric disadvantage but with some creative boundary drawing the type you you would see if they did another grid which we would call it grid three it would neither be compact nor would it be fair they can slice the blue population up such that they only get a majority in two districts. So despite making up 40% of their population, the Reds win 60% of the seats. Not bad, right? So in the real world, this is similar to what people are seeing in Pennsylvania. In 2012, Democrats won 51, 51% of their popular house vote, but, the only, but they only won five out of 18 house seats, fewer than one-third. This was because when Pennsylvania Republicans redrew the state's congressional districts, they made highly irregular districts that look like what I explained to you with the grid one, grid two, grid three. Pennsylvania seven, one of the most geographical irregular districts in the nation. Now, this this little exercise that I'm telling you is, of course, a huge simplification. Now, in the real world, people don't live in these neatly ordered grids sorted by political parties. But for real world politicians looking to give themselves an advantage at redistricting time, the process is exactly the same way. Or the results for the parties that gerrymander successfully. The easiest way to solve the issue, of course, would be to take that redistricting process out of the human hands entirely. And there's already software capable of doing just that. Good luck getting any politicians to agree to it, though, because, you know, if it's benefiting the Republicans, I can guarantee you they're not going to change it. But people are, you know, they are suing it. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit more on the gerrymandering. This computer programmer solved gerrymandering in his spare time now the america's most gerrymandered congressional district 
If you go online, you can get all that information. You can find out what 60 years of political gerrymandering looks like. And it also have like an easy way to end the gerrymandering, like stop letting politicians draw their own district because that's basically what it is. Um, they draw this chart and the chart is adapted for from one post to Reddit. Um, so it's, you would have to go look at the, the map in the grid to understand what I just said for you to get a very, very clear picture of what I'm saying. California is was the majority party giving itself a bigger majority through redistricting this districting. California districts are drawn by an independent commission, not by the parties. So that's just like if if we were in Louisiana and the Republicans ran Louisiana, if they redirect the districts and they have one grid totally Republicans and you have another grid where it's an even kill and then you take the third grid and the Republicans just take completely over it because they're they dominate that area so if you wanted a democrat to represent you in that area you couldn't get a democrat to represent you in that area because there's nothing but republicans there but that's the reason they did that so that no matter who you vote for you still be voting for a republican you wouldn't be able to get a democrat to vote for for you to vote to represent you in that district but the politicians republicans basically are doing that now, they have petitioned a court and they are going to, they filed the suit to change it. It hasn't been changed yet. Um, I would love to see how that works out, what happens with that. But I don't see um, it happening anytime soon. Um, now, if we look at the 2018 with the gerrymandering, We would have, like, until recently, Pennsylvania, 7th Congressional District in the southeast corner of the state, summed up the insanity of partisan gerrymandering in the United States. Now, the district was stretched from the Republican-leaning suburbans of Philadelphia out into form in Amish country. Now, one political scientist looked at its winning and jagged lines and saw that Donald Duck kicking goofy. Now, the mingling district was cooked up by the Republican controlled legislator and the state's Republican governor when they redrew Pennsylvania congressional map after the 2010 census. Now, the result, Republicans went from holding seven out of 19 of the state's House of Representatives seats to a whopping 13. The state lost one seat after that census. A political analyst called it the gerrymandering of the decade. Earlier this year, 2018, the state Supreme Court struck down Pennsylvania's epic gerrymandering and declared that a new map must be drawn. This time, however, when the GOP-led legislator came back with yet another nakedly partisan map, Governor Tom Wolf, a Democrat, vetoed it. In the end, the state Supreme Court released its own map, one with clear lines and more com- competitive districts. Pennsylvania's democracy was restored, at least for now. 
midterm election on November 6th, voters across the country had their chance to cast their votes in the Garber National race that could similarly begin to reverse the effects of the gerrymander. Now, there are 36 races for governor, the race that in many cases have gotten far less attention than those for House of Senate. But on the issue of gerrymandering, governors played a decisive role, not just in shaping the future of that state, but determining the composition of House of Representatives approving or blocking congressional maps skewed in favor of one political party. Now, in nine of those Gerbil national races, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Georgia, Nevada, Florida, and, and Maine, the Democratic Party is especially focused on electing a Democratic governor who will be in office during the next census redistricting process, which will happen after the 2020. Now, those governors will have the power to block gerrymandering maps and push for more evenly drawn district in their state as Wolf did in Pennsylvania. Democrats are guilty of gerrymandering too. Uh, you know, Maryland's congressional map is just as appalling as the maps in Michigan, Ohio, and w- Wisconsin. And it was the product of the Democrat party control, but there are four more Republican gerrymandering maps because the party has four more of the power at the state level after this historic landslide in the 2010 election. Now, Washington Governor Jay Inslee, the current chairman of the Democratic Governor Association, said he estimated that the Democrats could net as many as 25 House seats if they were able to get fairer congressional maps in those aforementioned nine states. Now, gerrymandering has never been so bad and, and we've never had such a great chance of remedying it. This year's governor race, is the was the most significant than in any other decade since at least I've been alive and I've been paying attention to politics. If you go back a decade ago, it was the Republican Party that seized upon that idea of using this upcoming census and redistricting the effort to rewrite or distort the congressional maps in their favor. A group of party operative, including the former Bush, um, launched this redistricting majority project. Um, they rove the alleys, took advantage of the Supreme Court citizen United dish, uh, decision, which it ruled that corporations are protected under free speech law to fuel red map with tens of millions of dollars, some of it anonymous and donation from corporate corporations and wealthy individuals. You know, like that saying where they said, um, win big in 2010 and the Republican redraw the maps and lock in electoral and financial advantages for the next 10 years is what. David Daly Daly wrote in Rat well, a book about Red Map. You get it. Well, that's exactly what happened with the Republicans gaining. They gained more than 700 seats at the state Senate in 2010. State by state. Um, If you go back in June of 2017, the League of Women Voters filed a lawsuit that claimed Pennsylvania maps were unconstitutional and should be redrawn. It was Wolf's veto and his refusal to sign off on a new, still gerrymandered Republican map that eventually led to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court release of its own map that should balance out the state's congressional delegation. Wolf told the Rolling Stone that what happened in Pennsylvania doesn't entirely apply in other fights to reverse I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire.
You guys, I apologize. Got a phone call. My daughter called. So, yeah, I apologize. Okay, I'm not going to keep on with the jibber-jabber of all that other stuff. The midterm elections revealed the effects of the gerrymandered districts. With courts earlier this year declared congressional districts in two states to be unconstitutional, partisan gerrymanders, one map was redrawn, the other was not. Now, the the sharply contrasting outcome that resulted on Election Day in Pennsylvania and North Carolina illustrated the importance of how political lines are drawn and the stakes for the nation because that process helps determine which party controls Congress. Pennsylvania flipped from a solid Republican congressional delegation to one evenly split under a map redrawn by court order, contributing to the Democrat takeover of the U.S. House. Despite an almost even split in the popular vote, North Carolina's congressional delegation remained overwhelmingly Republican under a map drawn by the GOP. Um, Kathy Manning said, we did everything that we could, but we just could not overcome the gerrymandering. And that's the way the district was designed to run. She was a, she's a Democrat. Manning held more than 400 campaign events contacted tens of thousands of voters and had outspent the Republican in North Carolina's 13th district, but still lost by six percentage rate. I mean, six percentage points in a district Republicans drew to favor their candidates. You heard me. Now, partisan gerrymandering has been carried out by both Democrats and Republicans throughout the U.S. history. I'm going to be honest with you. But in an Associated Press statistical analyze based on 2016 election data alone, they found that more states had Republican tilted districts than Democrat ones. And some of the largest GOP congressional advantages were in North Carolina and in Pennsylvania, where Republicans fully controlled the redistricting redistricting after the 2010 census. Excuse me, y'all. One of the Democrats' biggest edge was in Maryland, where they were in charge of the last redistricting. Districting. A follow-up AP analysis using preliminary 2018 election data, it showed that the Republican statistical edge was cut in half under the Pennsylvania New Court Order congressional map, but grew even larger in North Carolina. Now, through that increasing number of states that have adopted this independent commission, many states still rely on lawmakers and governors to draw legislator and congressional districts. Republicans control that process in four more states than the Democrats simply because of their electoral success nationwide from 2010. Those maps were placed for the November 6th election, except in places where courts ordered them redrawn and they will begin, will be again, I'm sorry, in 2020. The results have national implications. The Democrats potentially could have won even more seats in the U.S. House and state legislature had it not been for Republican gerrymandering. North Carolina is a prime example of the gerrymandering's consequences. Republicans and Democrats in this month's election split the total votes cast for majority party candidates in state 13 congressional districts about evenly with Republicans getting 51%. A figure... That is slightly inflated because one GOP ran, uh, ran unopposed. Yet, Republicans won 10 of those races 
about maybe what three quarters of the total seats, I think. That equates to a pro-Republican tilt of nearly 26% under an efficiency gap. Analysis that provide a statistical way of measuring the partisan advantage that can stem from gerrymandering. That figure was up from about 20% in 2016. Now, by comparison, people, Democrats in Pennsylvania received 54% of this year's total two-party vote for congressional candidates, including one race where Democratic ran unopposed. Democrats and Republicans each won nine seats on the map drawn by the Democratic tilt state supreme court with the assistance of an outside expert that marked a significant shift from the 13-5 republican majority in the state's congressional delegation the three previous general election known a map that had been enacted in 2011 by the republican legislator and governor now pennsylvania's pro pro republicans efficiency gap fell from 16 percent in the ap 2016 analysis to seven percent under this year's court drawn map it's a level that some political scientists attribute to the high concentrations of democrats in the urban areas that make it more difficult for them to win elsewhere the pennsylvania supreme court redrew districts after it ruled that partisan gerrymandering in the old map infringed on a state right to free and equal elections. One of the Democrats who sued was Bill Marks, Merricks, a high school district um, teacher in Pennsylvania who said he feared that legislator gerrymandering was building empathy and cynicism in the next generation of voters. Merricks also said that he believed the new district boundaries resulted in a more fair congressional representation of the will of the people in the Pennsylvania. Both Pennsylvania Republican Party spokesman Jason Gottsman, he said that the map put Democrats at an unfair advantage in this election. The Republican contend that the court overstepped its power by adapting new districts, a duty that belongs to the legislators themselves. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court robbed us of at least three to four congressional seats that might not have lost if the redistricting would not have happened the way that it did Gossman said now let's be honest the republicans are fuming in pennsylvania democrats remain frustrated in north carolina the gop draw congressional boundaries that pack democrats voters into three highly concentrated districts republicans are spread more evenly across the other 10 districts Republicans have gerrymandered the heck out of lots of different places, people. Even Melinda Wilkerson, a retired music teacher, um, Democrat, she said it just seems very unfair. The Republican state representative, David Lewis, who helped shepherd the congressional map through North Carolina's GOP, led General Assembly, acknowledged the politics played a role in the district, but said there is no evidence that Democrat voters were prevented from fully participating in exercising their right to choose the candidates of their choice. In August, the federal judge ruled that North Carolina's congress- congressional district violated protection for Democrat voters, but they determined that wasn't enough time to redraw them before the November 6th election. The U.S. Supreme Court is considering rather to hear an appeal in that case. For a state legislative district, the AP analysis has found some of the largest partisan advantage in Michigan and in Wisconsin. Democrats won 52% of the total majority party vote for the Michigan House this year and flipped several Republican-held districts 
yet Republicans still won 53% of the seats. Republicans controlled Michigan's last redistricting by holding the governor's office and both legislative chambers. They won't control the next redistricting. A Democrat won the governor's race, but voters made that irrelevant by approving a con- constitutional amendment shifting redistricting to an independent commission. Now, in Wisconsin, the federal judicial panel inviolated I'm sorry, invalidated the state assembly district as an unconstitutional partisan gerrymander back in 2016. But the U.S. Supreme Court overturned that in June and set the case back to the lower court for them to establish rather there was harm to particular voters. A new trial is set for April of 2019. Preliminary results from 2018 election shows that Wisconsin Democrats received 54% of the total votes cast for majority party assemblies candidate, a figure inflated by the fact that Democrats ran unopposed in 30 districts compared to just eight for Republicans. Yet, Republicans won 63 of the 99 assembly states, just one less than their pre-election majority. That marks an increase in the pro-Republican Efficiency gap from about 10% in 2016 to almost, what, 15% this year? Yeah, that's a lot. Republicans also won or leading in elections for all Wisconsin statewide office, showing voter support for their candidates in races that are not affected by gerrymandering. Republican Assembly uh, Speaker Robin Voss called it a faulty premise to say that Republicans' legislative majority is due to gerrymandering. We are the ones who have been giving a mandate to govern, is what he said. But Assembly Minority Leader Garden Hintz said that Wisconsin gerrymander maps worked exactly as Republicans intended. He said non-competitive districts have made it increasingly difficult for Democrats to recruit candidates and raise money, which is true. Because if that district is predominantly Republican and you are the ones that's redistricting this, so where is benefiting Republicans? You basically, that's what you're doing. You're dictating the votes. Point blank in a period. Now, Wisconsin Progress, um, an organization that recruits and trains liberal candidates, said that 30 of the 31 Democrat candidates is backed in a Republican-held assembly district end up losing they ended up losing in the November 6th election. Um, my opinion is no matter what happens, no matter who's in the White House or what the national trends are or how much money you have, you just can't beat gerrymandering seats. You can't. That's the whole point of the gerrymandering situation. Um, because you, if you are a Republican and the way it's redistricting is benefiting the Republican, you're going to get more votes than the Democrats. If you're a Democrat and you're part of the gerrymandering situation and your district is predominantly, is more Democrats than Republican, you're going to win. So that's basically what you're doing. And that's exactly what happened in this election, this midterm election. Um, It's scary to me that you have people in these positions that people are forced to have to represent them because they couldn't vote for who they wanted to vote and have them in there. They were outnumbered and they would get outvoted regardless to who you vote for because that's how it was set up for a certain, you know, to win. And I, I don't think that's fair, but I'm not getting into all of that. But I wanted to reiterate to people Um, 
that there's a lot that have happened with this election and election have made it scary to say the least it's it's scary to think of when it comes to re-electing people or just selecting who you want to represent you that you don't know and I understand how some people get so frustrated and they say you know I might as well not even vote because it doesn't matter what I have to say it doesn't matter how I feel it doesn't matter what I think so they tend to take the back seat and it's like no I'm not gonna vote I'm not even gonna vote I'm not even gonna waste my time on voting that's not the stance that we have to take but if we see this gerrymandering thing is affecting us and affecting our districts to where it's dictating who is going to represent us rather than we're dictating who's going to represent us, then we have to we have to fight. We have to push the issue. We we have to draw attention to it like what they're doing now. And I respect it and I love it and I'm not going to go any further into it, but I just wanted to kind of bring it up and kind of speak on it a little bit. I know some people like it respect it all for it because I guarantee the people that like it and all for it, it represents them and it supports what who they're voting for I'm just saying um the talk of of Baton Rouge Louisiana Les Miles finalized his deal with Kansas City um everybody probably thought that he was finished uh coaching but he's not he's not um Many sites, multiple sources said that Kansas uh, is planning on making Les Miles the head coach before it even became the news Friday. Yes, Les Miles finally reached agreement with LSU to settle from the outstanding money from his contract, which he except the 1.5 million. Everybody's like, why you gave that money back? Shut up. Um, the Jayhawks are three and seven this season. They are one and six in their conference play and are on a two game losing streak. Head coach David Beatty, Betty, I'm sorry, was fired early in November after a loss to Iowa State. Betty has posted a sixth 39 record in three seasons at Kansas University. Betty will coach the final two games this season. Miles has an overall record of 142 to 55 and a national championship in 2007 at the LSU. He led the Tigers on 114 to 34 record in 12 years. Um, And he is going to Kansas. Now, let me say this. I was shown Twitter because I'm not on social media. Um, Somebody was showing me the different things that people... Um, fans were saying about Les Miles. It's embarrassing. Why is he going coaching over there? What's the, what's that about? How how dare you go there? How dare you leave LSU and go coach over there? And I started to think, what would be the respectable response? And they kept saying it, and they kept saying it, and they kept saying it, and they kept saying it. And the most respectable response that I could possibly come up with is why do you care? Y'all wanted him out. Y'all were pushing the issue for him to be fired. 
Y'all disrespected him. Y'all talked about this man. Y'all criticized your own coach in the media, on social media, uh, everywhere. He's not your coach anymore. So why do you care that he's going there? If he can go to Kansas, turn that program around, that's a win-win. That's a win on his part and that's a win on the school part. And guess what? He ain't y'all coach no more. So why do you even care? Why is it any of your business where he go? Why do so many people sit back and find a problem with everything somebody do that's pertaining to their life, especially when majority of the people were against them? Now, let me tell you this. Did I like the fact seeing LSU lose or struggle or keep going through things? No, I didn't. But I have nothing and had nothing but respect for Les Miles, and I still do. I did not like the way he they pushed him out, and it still bothers me to this day. And I think what he did for LSU and I think the way he was to those players, I respect it. Uh, and I will always respect him for that. And for that, I, I he's for he will forever be decent in my in my eyes. And that's just me. That's just me, and that's just my opinion, and that's all it is to it. And for those that do not care or don't get it or don't understand, I can't do anything about that. There's really nothing that I can do about how someone else feels about him going to Kansas City. There's nothing he can do about it either. He took the job. He's going to be there. I'm proud. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him and his family. And I'm happy that he's finally moved past this LSU chapter and starting a new chapter. Regardless. So, mind your business. Playoffs. I wanted to congratulate my cousin. They played Hangsville last night, and they won. I also wanted to congratulate Baker High School, which is the school that my daughter graduated from. Super proud of them. They um they failed. <laughs> they lost last night. Um, they they played. They they had a good fight. They they um they tried to fight, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it was a home game because they went and they upset a top seed team last Friday, and so uh they had to come um to them Friday. Um, East Feliciana they lost um to Amy um. Sorry for that. Um, East Feliciana is actually from where I graduated from. It used to be Jackson Chief. And so Jackson Chief and Clinton High School, the Clinton Eagles, they combined schools. They joined East Feliciana and Clinton and made it. I mean, East Feliciana, Clinton High School and Jackson High School and turned it into East Feliciana. Um. And honestly, I think I've only been there like two or three times and that was to a basketball game <laughs> since they merged. And that was Baker playing against East Feliciana. I'm just saying. Um, Baker lost, like I said, to the number one seed, I, Ada, or Ada. It was bad. 31 to 14. But the beginning of the game, Baker was like, they were in there. They were fighting. They were showing them that, you know, we're, we're, we're not like a poutine team. But the number one seed was better, and 
they fought. Um, the Zachary in Hainesville, it was 41 to 20. Um, it was a good game originally, um, but Zachary was like, you know, this 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 our year. We we you know we, it's not over for us, and it was a good game. Um, I was super proud of my cousin. Um, super super proud of him. Um, he's a senior this year. He has offers. He's going to Tulane and ULL just to do a visit. Um, God, I got a brain freeze. I can't even think of the school that he pre um, committed to. I can't even think of it. <laughs> I can't. Also, Oklahoma was recruiting him as well. So I, I can't even think of the schools. It would be amazing if LSU would have recruited him or Alabama, the world, would have recruited him. But he's small, so they don't really recruit small running backs. But that's okay. He's still good, and he's still going somewhere. And wherever he end up, he's going to be successful, and he's going to be good. And it's going to have y'all stretching y'all heads like, damn, this was a local. And we didn't. Mm-hmm. And see, that's what happens with LSU. I'm a fan of LSU, but what pisses me off with LSU, majority of the time, they don't recruit their locals. And then when they do decide to recruit their locals, that's at the end when they don't have nobody else to look at. And then it's like, oh, well, let me recruit you. Let me see if you want to come. No. Pay attention. Open your eyes and look. I'm just saying. That's just my opinion. Today, LSU and Rice, um, it's a home finale, and the senior class are going to play their last game in the Tiger Stadium. So if you're heading to the campus, the, the events start bright and early. Um, the parking lots open on campus this morning at 7 a.m. The LSU Sports Shop opened at 9 o'clock this morning, so it's open. The LSU Game Day Live pregame show from the Merrick Central Ramps is going on right now. It started at 11 o'clock. So the 6.30 p.m. Toys for Toys collections throughout the campus, that's going to be at 6.30 p.m. Um, just so I throw that in so I don't forget. 12.30 p.m., the LSU ticket office opened the first floor of the Athletic Administration Building. I always get lost when I go there. 1 p.m., Nicholson Gateway Fan Fest opens. The 1.30 p.m., the Tiger One Village opens. And then the L Club tailgate at 1.30. The 2 o'clock solar band performs in the Kuyans Tiger One Village at the PMAC. And at 3.30 p.m., the club level suits open at the tiger stadium 345 the student gates open the shoot opens inside the tiger stadium at 4 4 p.m all remaining gates to the tiger stadium will open including the skyline club the lsu game day presented by the cst radio show at kuyan's tiger one village is at 4 30 and the lsu walks down the victory hill with former LSU football alumni at 440. The band comes down Victory Hill at 450. LSU Sports Radio Network Live from the Tiger Stadium. The guest caption presentation. The senior tribute will be at 6. They stand 607, but you know. The golden band from the Tigerland takes the field for the pre-grain performance. The alumni model and the national anthem. The school night in Death Valley LSU intro video is at 627. Then LSU will take the field. Rice will take the field. The corn toss at the midfield. And then the kickoff, LSU versus Rice. And it's going to be on the ESPNU on-field presentation. You guys, um, I don't know if you if you happy for your LSU despite the loss against Bama, I'm happy for them. I am happy for them. Um, so good luck to you guys. 
last home game. Kudos, 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 kudos. Okay, by the way, the recap on the Les Miles. The lump sum payment is going to be $1.5 million of the $6.5 million remaining in the original agreement, which would have been still binding with Les Miles and LSU to 2023. Yeah, so I think it was time for both parties to move forward. I think one of the biggest challenge of the buyout that was in place was that it just wasn't a lot of incentive to move on to the other things that they were looking to provide that. And the coach Miles and his representative also were ready. It was a mutual agreed upon goal and a very positive process from the beginning to the end. I think um, I've all, every time I've ever seen Coach Miles and ever heard him say anything, he always been positive about the program. He has consistently supported the students, athletes, and their coaches. He in my opinion, will always be part of the great history of LSU football. And I wish him and his family nothing but the very, 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 very best. And I look forward to seeing and hearing what he's going to do over there at Kansas City. So. All right, you guys. That is it for me. Oh, one more thing I wanted to say. The former first lady said that the reason she um she said SS Hollywood tape is what led her to speak out is what she said she said that she felt anxious before giving her emotional New Hampshire speech back in 2016 condemning Donald Trump for bragging about sexual assaulting women in a recording more than a decade ago she said that she remember she wrote the outline of her speech addressing Trump comments on the infamous 2005 Essence Hollywood tape while sitting in a waiting room at her mother as her mother was having back surgery. Um, she said, when I'm telling the truth, I'm not afraid. She said, I was anxious about giving it. I know how I feel and what I wanted to do. And at that time was take women to that place where we know how we feel when we are demeaned. We have all experienced that at some point in our time. Women don't have the platform to say it out loud, but she also said that she had gotten to the point where she was less concerned about what people thought about her words. She said it was also Barack Obama's second term. I was like, I'm done with caring what people think. It's time to put some truth out there. She also spoke Thursday at an event with blackish actor Tracy Ellis Ross at the farm near Los Angeles, where she was promoting her best-selling book, Becoming, which was released this week. Her memoir of one of the year's biggest debates, selling more than 725,000 copies on the first day. Crown Publishing said on Friday, um, the figures include sales and pre-orders of the former First Lady Memoir and account for hardcover audio and ebooks edition for the United States and Canada. She said she never mentioned Trump's name on Thursday, but said she hate bullies. She said, I don't know if men really understand what we bear as women. She said, the sad thing is that women aren't safe in this world. We're at risk to be cut all the time. I wanted to bring voice to women who know what that feels like. You're just putting up with some men, some man's voice saying some stuff that is inappropriate and out of line, and they think it's a joke. It has a lasting impact. You have the power to vote against it. She entered the stage to Alicia Keys' Girl on Fire in her second stop of her 12 
stop arena book tour she kicked off a tour off in a talk with oprah winfrey in chicago i kind of mentioned that a little bit on, on my other podcast that was messed up um so i don't even know if anybody even heard it 10 percent of ticket costs are being donated to her local charities schools and community groups much of the 90 minute conversation between michelle obama and ross was filled with laughter they also talked about miss obama having a panic attack getting marriage counseling and she talked about her husband walking walk being sexy but annoying slow sometimes in the book miss obama mentioned at time when she had her fist fight with a girl while growing up on chicago south side you did a physical fight is what tracy ross asked i was thinking in my head too when i read it in the book i was like she a fight fighter? anyway she said yeah i talked about in the book what other kind of fight you see this is tracy a physical fight with your hands um those are the only fights you had on the south side what you thought people were debating no girl we were throwing down like kicking the former first lady's husband daughter's mother and brother gave their impression of her um maturation in a video montage her mom talked about how her daughter initially disliked politics and barack obama said he showed up to their first day late um earlier thursday miss obama made a surprise visit to an early education center located in the skid row in the downtown los angeles i kind of talked about that a little bit as well she spent time reading with a group of four-year-old children from an undeserved area of the city um the story has been corrected to show that the name of the show is assets hollywood not hollywood assets so i apologize um for saying that from the beginning um Just go buy the book. The book is really, really good. And I know they say it's geared towards women, but men can read this book and enjoy the book too. I'm telling you. Like they will really, really enjoy the book. Um so that's my take on it. That's how that's where I'm going with it. That's how I feel about it. But the book is amazing. The book is good. Um I love it. And I, I, I love her, but that's what I wanted to reiterate. Like I said, I don't know if this is going to come out. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what's going to be what. Anchor has been giving me nothing but problems. So I'm trying to do everything in like one recording, not stop record, not stop record, not stop record and just see if that will work. I don't know. But anyway, thank you for your ear, for your attention, for your support. I thank you. I ask that you continue to support, continue to share. Remember to stay true to yourself. Do not let someone else's thoughts and opinion dictate who and what you think is yourself. Continue to be better every day than what you were the day before. When they go low, like the former first lady, we go high. Let your family and friends know that you love them today because we know tomorrow ain't promised to any of us. And until next time, peace.